Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. This is your host, Corey Cottrell. And of course, we have my very good buddy, Rio Verdnier. Hey, guys. Um, so today, well, let me just, let me put it this way. Um, obviously, there's a whole, there's like uh, an uprising going on. You know, we've been locked in our houses for months with the pandemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, white cops are stealing black, kill, killing black uh, uh, people with, you know, relative impunity until there's, you know, riot in the streets. And then they're like, well, okay, maybe we'll charge this one guy, right? Obviously, there, there needs to be some systemic change. And in this context, while, you know, I'm getting saltier by the millisecond looking at, at uh, you know, all the white assholes uh, inciting all the violence and just all the madness and fucking Donald Trump being a piece of shit, I get a message from my good buddy, Rio, that he wants to do an episode about Idpol which for anyone who doesn't know is identity politics. And usually what happens is somebody on the right or alt-right will, anytime I'm bringing up any racial inequality issue, they'll, ah, that's just identity politics. Um, actually, I got blocked recently because somebody basically was like, oh, this is identity politics, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you shut your white ass up because you've never experienced inequality in your entire life. So like, I was already kind of primed. And so I asked my very dear friend, Rio, exactly what he wanted to accomplish with this. Because, you know, treading off of the path of understanding that, you know, there, there's some, some real inequality and some real systemic change needs to happen might make me explode like a nuclear bomb. And he said a bunch of things. And here we are actually talking about it. So, and, and you know, so Rio, I, I want you to, to, to go over why you wanted to have this conversation and, and, and you know, break that through. But um, just before coming on air, you know, we, I was explaining to Rio that when he says identity politics – what how i would translate that is you know democrats or progressives or anyone having the audacity to want actually representative government we want to see a government that 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 represents the the kinds of people that are in the population because of course you go back a couple hundred years it was right white guys that own shit right um and we've been slowly hacking away at that to make a, a more equal and quite frankly much better society and that work isn't done, right? So while I'm out here saying, yeah, we should have uh, everyone represented, you know, as, as much as humanly possible, um, other people are like, ah, well, Rio can explain what his position is on it as opposed to me doing it for him. Yeah. <laughs> before we get in. Because I, I, I might not know. I was hoping that I don't know. Uh, before we get, I mean, there's, this is going to be fun. It's kind of like the populist thing. It's, um, <clears throat> We're going to see a lot of overlap between the way you're using the term and the way I use the term. I think when we finally had our breakthrough over populism was when I finally just said, you know what, actually, I kind of am using the word the same way as you. And I just sort of said, like, you know, um, we just see the subject and the issue and the context differently. Right. But there was a, a significant overlap between the way you were using it and the way I was using it. Um, and so if you guys want to, to hear that breakthrough in real time, um, the real divide two-part series, and then um, the uh, <clears throat> new progressive voice is where that happened. Um, if you haven't listened to those yet, definitely recommend it. People have people are saying. I wish I could do a Donald Trump impression because I would totally do that right now. People are saying that that was our our best episode yet. So if you haven't heard it yet, you should check it out. And I, I actually agree. I I think it, what was wonderful about it is that it helped us to solidify what our common purpose is, what our common mission is, who are we trying to help politically, who are, we, who are our enemies politically. And, you know, since I'm on the right and Corey's on the left, um, 
so to speak, um, our common enemies are not going to be defined in left or right terms. They're going to be defined in other terms. So that was very productive. Um, I suspect we're going to have a similar conversation about identity politics right now, and it's going to be kind of uncomfortable <laughs> for a lot of the same reasons, especially for you. Um, and so when we get to that, I'd like to start by actually, first of all, saying what I don't mean by the, by the term, because I don't want you assuming that I do mean things that I don't mean, and then we'll go from there. But first, yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit more about the news. The riots have gotten worse since the last time we recorded. There's a hell of a lot going on. You said something about Biden should choose Stacey Abrams in this environment. And I actually feel like that's an interesting jumping off point for a conversation about id Paul and what I mean by it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I guess there's, there's just from the, the, the like internal democratic politics, um, you know, having locked up the primary or whatever, uh, it is extremely important to understand that to win, um, black women specifically in the party need to be inspired and they need to be fully activated because they are the core of uh, the sort of uh, activist and functional base that's going to get out the vote for uh, for us, you know, in, the, in basically in the last 15 years. Um, you know, uh, uh, midterm elections, uh, the same, right? So especially in this space, um, we don't need a fucking Tim Kaine as like the, the far end opposite example, right? Uh, we already know it's going to be a woman, but I, well, let's let's you know compare apples and apples. So Amy Klobuchar uh, was a prosecutor in um, you know responsible for Minneapolis and actually let some of the uh, uh, the, the the claims against this guy in Minneapolis go. So she's out. Right? There's absolutely no way that he could pick her rationally um, because justifiably the African-American or black community would be fucking up in arms um, because there you know, is obvious need for, for systemic change and just letting these assholes off over and over and over again you know, is, is, is proof. It's not this one event, although this one event is horrendous. It's that this is normal. You know, it, like it's just an extension of that. So it's terrifying. So to me, the opposite of that, and I've been sort of ringing this bell for, for quite a while because she's fantastic, is Stacey Abrams, right? Stacey Abrams had an election stolen out from underneath her. We watched it happen. She documented while it was going on, um, you know, Kemp changing the rules and ripping hundreds of thousands of people off the rolls in Georgia. Like it was, it was dark, dark shit. Even with all that, her organizational ability allowed her to almost win, which is incredible. Um, listening to her talk, she was actually on uh, Lords O'Donnell with uh, Biden. It seemed to me like they were sort of uh, trotting her out and kind of doing a trial run kind of thing. She was just sharp and inspiring and brilliant um, and, and can speak to this moment, you know, I think, in a way that would, to you know, whatever extent possible, knit our coalition together so that we can beat the doors off Donald Trump and his white nationalist pieces of garbage. Um, there are other, you know, black women that could do this. Uh, the, uh, uh, the mayor of, uh, Atlanta, um, is, uh, is getting floated. And I think there's, there's, uh, even Val Demings from, from Florida. There's a few others that are getting, um, floated, uh, even Kamala Harris, but Kamala Harris, you know, is, is that, uh, same situation, right? She's got a very checkered history when it comes to the African-American community that she was overseeing as attorney general of California. Um, so. So yeah, that as far as the the vice presidential pick, 
I think there is now an opportunity to find somebody like Stacey Abrams that that could come in um, and and help organize effectively and for a positive outcome, uh, you know, around this uh, this moment. Yeah, that's interesting. A dumping off point for the conversation about identity politics, if only because mm -hmm. it can help to kind of exemplify what I do and don't mean by the term and, and, and how it relates to what you do and don't mean by the term. Um, so one thing I don't mean by it is that, you know, we should all just be totally colorblind and pretend like race doesn't exist and that it doesn't impact people's experiences in the world, because that is clearly false. That's not true, right? I mean, obviously it's, I mean, anybody who's honest with themselves, would, would, if you like, imagine that you're a, you know, a privileged white guy like me, right? And you're just going to say, oh, let me, I'm going to ask myself, like, if, if I had been born black in America, would my experience have been different? And the answer is yes. The answer is also yes, that you would, your, your experience would be different if you had been born into a richer family or a poorer family, regardless of race. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, intersections and, and there's a lot of tensions that result as a consequence of those intersections, um, which stir up a lot of animosity um, and emotion um, in certain people, especially poor and working class people of all races. Um, and there's a reason for that. And I don't think that the solution to that problem is to ignore it. I think that would not be wise. Um, but I do think that the solution to the problem shouldn't be to throw gasoline on the fire either. And my argument is going to be that that exact, is exactly what Donald Trump is doing. And much like, um, much like we keep saying that the people who say fake news unironically are the people who actually want fake news. They're calling real news fake because they want the news to, to be fake. They want it to be pro-Trump propaganda, right? Or yeah. in the case of uh, hardcore Bernie Sanders or Yang Gang, they want it to be Sanders or Yang propaganda. They don't want to be challenged by just having to confront the actual facts as presented by professional mainstream journalists. Um, or not that those facts, people are flawed. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Not that those people aren't flawed. They are right. But th this I this this fake news meme is incredibly. It's a mirror. It's a mirror is what it is because the people who are calling for it are the ones who actively want it. Right. The the only reason to tear down faith in real journalism is because you want fake journalism to prevail. That's it. <clears throat> um, and so in this case, it's another of the same thing. Um, the, the, the people um, in the so-called alt-right um, keep saying, oh, that's just identity politics. We don't want identity politics. But then if you dig down into their underlying ideology and motivations, these people are swimming in identity politics. They're, they're, they're all about identity politics. It's just that it's an identity politics of white people, an identity politics of men, an identity politics of straight people. Um, and so there's this war between people on the social justice left and the so-called alt-right who are fighting with each other, not because one side believes in identity politics and the other doesn't, but because they take opposite sides in a war that's based on the identity politics narrative. Um, and the way to get people to put down their swords on that war is for people who reject the identity politics narrative, which I would count myself as one, to say, we need to move past this. We need to stop seeing this as a zero sum exchange. It's a zero sum cultural exchange where if 
black people do better, white people have to do worse and vice versa, right? We need to get past that way of thinking. If women do better, men do worse, right? If LGBT people get rights, then all of a sudden, like my relationship as a straight man is under threat, right? We need to get past that zero sum way of thinking and return Does, to- so, so this is the thing a, like- well, Let me finish, Corey. To return yeah, to a pro-equality pro way of thinking, which is that people should be treated equally regardless of those immutable characteristics. Right, so that's all that I or anyone that might be concerned about what you're describing as identity <laughs> politics have ever been for. That's not true. It's a that's what that's true about that's you. For me. I believe that's true about you, but you said and, more and anyone that I know right okay. now, like cause you, you go to you go to some of these like conventions where you find like the most psychotic fucking wingnuts on the left. <laughs> and like I've had to you know like admit after a long time that okay, maybe some of these weirdos exist. But it's just it's not, you know, it's not part of you know, the, 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 the culture at large or anything that I would sign up for. So it's like, and it's not even, I would argue that it's not even anywhere remotely as prevalent as, as the alt-right is on, uh, uh, on the right. So, I mean, but, but I do agree. So regardless of, of that imbalance, because again, anything that suggests the whole both sidesism is going to automatically trigger me because I think it's dog shit mostly, um, is that you are right about the fact that equality should be the only thing like that should be that should be the the upward limit, and again has been as far as the actual movement is concerned, whether you are a, a woman in democratic politics or whether you're an african american in, in democratic politics or you're a gay person in democratic politics, if you are a serious person you know in those fights, you are working for systemic equality, and that's it, right No serious person is trying to say, "No, down with all men like that's not really happening except for one. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, how many women do you have to see on the Supreme Court before you're happy? She said nine, and I agree. Well, okay, so. Just because, I mean, there's been nine dudes for two, three hundred years. I, yeah, it's, I it's, agree. It's, that's a joke, it's funny. That was a joke. Uh, I, 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 I know it's funny, I just, I didn't laugh. That doesn't mean it wasn't funny. Okay. <laughs> I know it's um, funny, I just, not yeah, that funny. You yeah, don't be ass. that comedian who starts hectoring <laughs> the audience. <laughs> I will explain my jokes if forced to, God damn it. If anyway, you do it enough sorry. times in a row, eventually it becomes funny. It's true. It, there's actually a long-running show on Hashtag Coffee that if you make a terrible joke and then explain it, you actually have to explain that explaining it makes it a lot more funny. And then we literally will spend an hour diving into a meta rabbit hole, seeing how many levels deep in that terrible fucking joke we can get. Uh, and it actually does get funnier. It takes a long um, time and hurts the whole time. But yeah. Okay, now, now, now I feel like I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry, so, sorry, buddy. Uh, so I sort of ended with my silly joke about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but like that, that I, I, I want to connect because I think the seed of consensus is that, you know, that, that uh, uh, the conversation should always be about making um, a society that is equal. Right, okay, right? yeah. So let me, let me clarify here. Um, I believe you, of course, when you say that you, and as far as you know, everybody who you know only means that, right? Mm -hmm. What you said. Um, but that's definitely not all that anybody ever means by it. And in order to effectively advocate for what you and I agree in, we agree about equality. We need to recognize who the enemies of equality are. And the enemies of equality are not only cis white men, 
<laughs> okay? They are anybody who believes that you should treat people differently, or especially that the government should treat people differently, based solely on their skin color or their sex. That's, that's not at all true. That's just, that's just logically not true. <clears throat> How do you mean? You're basically saying like, you're basically saying government can't do anything. And anyone that thinks the government can do anything is stuck in identity politics. That's just factually untrue. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for government, there never would have been, uh, um, you know, the, the, the voting rights, uh, the voting rights bill by, by that rule. Like that just, what you're saying just logically makes zero sense to me. No, the voting rights rule is a perfect articulation of what I just said. At the point, the whole point of the, the voting rights bill was to make it so that government could not treat people differently on the basis of their race or their sex, right? Because prior to that, it was. So the, prior to that, it was saying you could only vote if you're white or you could only vote if you're a woman, right? Okay. So, you're, so I guess maybe the example then would be affirmative action. Yeah, that would be a better example. Okay. Um, so government should do nothing to make up for 400 years of oppression. No, I would just argue that making up for oppression shouldn't mean giving an advantage to people based on their skin color because I think that's racist. You see the difference? There's other ways of doing no, it. No, I know, you, you just said it differently, right? <laughs> but it, that, that ignores the 400 years of oppression bit. No, it doesn't. Okay, so how, how not? Well, okay. right, like the government shouldn't do anything to make up for what the government allowed for 400 so the years. First, so the first, the first important distinction to make in the context of this conversation is the difference between equality and equity, right? I'm for equality, not equity. And you can't be for both of them. People, it's unfortunate because people have co-opted the term equality and they use it sometimes as a synonym for equity, but they are mutually exclusive goals. So equality is the idea that everybody should be treated equally under the law. And equity is the idea that everybody should have all the same exact um, opportunities, the same exact privileges. They should all have the same kind of house. They should all have exactly the same level of education. It's basically erasing individuality is the goal of equity. Whereas equality is saying, as an individual, your ability to succeed or fail should not be to whatever extent we can foster this environment should not be aided or hindered simply by virtue of the fact that you are of a certain race or sex, et cetera. Um, so the equal, any equal pay amendments for women should not be allowed. My short answer would be, it depends on the way that the bill is written. Um, I, I think that it is important to, to step in and punish people for discrimination, right? So like if an employer fires someone just for being a woman and you can prove that, I think it's appropriate to sue that employer for that, right? Okay. But what the government shouldn't do is force people to say, to say like 50% of your board must be female. That's where I would draw the line. That would be an example of a place where I would draw the line. Okay. Um, okay. So let's back up for a second and talk a little bit about the crazies who you know from you because you, you know you're right. I go to these conferences because I do nonprofit work, and so I meet some of them. And, and I, I've, that's the thing. Imagine. I've seen a few examples. I just, and I, like, I've it's seen such people who are every bit. Low I've amount. seen people who are every bit as racist toward white people and every bit as sexist toward men, right? And heterophobic. <laughs> um, 
as you know, Trump supporters are racist against black people and brown people and women and and homophobic, et cetera. Yeah, and these people do. It, exist. Doesn't it bother you that that's like a like a really abiding deep uh, uh, false equivalence? Because like you're the the number of people that exist that are are you know like what you're suggesting. Like I can't imagine that it's more than a rounding error of a single percentage of people on the left. Whereas the number of racists, the number, hold on, hold on. The number of racists that are, that are Trump supporters is basically a one-to-one ratio. Okay. Yeah. So the first, yes, exactly. So remember when I said I was going to tell you what I don't mean by, by the term. So another thing I don't mean by the term is I don't mean to say that what this ideology um, of identity politics, I I don't think that it's fair for um, the alt-right to apply that to the democratic party. Right. Um, I I mean, this all relates to further understanding the political environment and, and sometimes you need to like get a bird's eye view and get out of the scrum in order to actually see what's going on. Right. And so one way we did that was, was, was stop, was stopping to look and think about how the coalitions of both parties are made up of populists and liberals. Right. And the coalitions of both parties, they both have left and right wing people in them, right? Economically speaking, they both have people who are relatively libertarian with a small L or relatively authoritarian, right? And so one way you can tell somebody is operating with a purely partisan and parochial understanding of politics is if they start using the word Democrat or Republican as if it's a synonym for left or right. Um, or if you start seeing people saying like, oh, the Democrats are obsessed with identity politics as if all Democrats do, right? And no Republican is. That's, all of that is not true. It's an oversimplification of a really complex political environment where we're individuals and the parties are made up of complex coalitions of individuals who disagree with each other and agree with each other and are motivated to vote how they do or don't vote for any number of different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So the Republican party had people like me in it who were motivated to vote because we wanted small government and low taxes and there are people in the Republican Party who are fine with, um, who, who, would be, who would be pro single payer healthcare, right? But who only vote Republican because they don't like abortion and same sex marriage. So, I mean, I have more in common with someone like you than I do with someone like that. And yet we're supposedly on the same side, right? You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. in, in the, we, I think it's important to avoid those kinds of oversimplification. So I am definitely not saying that there's an equivalence between the Democratic and Republican Party right now, right? I would say that there was a hell of, there were a hell of a lot more white racists in the Democratic Party, um, you know, during the Civil War <laughs> than now. And things change and things can change really fast. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, well, the, it's not, it's not like you can't find, you know, uh, some white working class Democrat racists in, you know, uh, uh, some of the swing states or, or whatever too, right? Yeah. Like, like there's going to be, a percentage of overlap across basically any direction in the spectrum that you can, that you can think to measure. I just think like when, when, you know, we want to any, any time, even a hint of the phrase, both sides is going to get used. That like is an immediate red flag for me because they're not the same. Right. One, one, and on the, the, the zero sum game situation, I think as a gestalt, not trying to look at the margins or try to make sure everybody's doing it or whatever, but, white males are going to experience a move towards equality as loss. Some right. Rightly or wrongly. Right. Like that, that's, that's a huge part of the problem is that it it could be perceived as 
uh, uh, you know, women or minorities or whatever doing better. And so they must be doing worse. And of course, demagogues like Trump can, can play on that and obviously has to a massive extent, right? Like the immigrants are going to come take all your jobs or whatever. That's all, that's all the same thing. Whereas like everybody who I perceive to be on my team, it's just like, no, like, like we're literally just working so that everybody has exactly, you know, the, the, the same, you know, opportunity. And I get like, cause I'm not, I'm not explicitly for affirmative action. I think it's, I think it's, you know, among those things that, you know, it among a, 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 a collection of terrible ideas, it just happened to be the only idea that could perceivably move the needle the direction we want. And I think it's potentially, right. You know, okay, could, so- could, could do more damage than good. But like, I also like, like the, the, the stark difference between equality and equity I'm not a hundred percent sure that 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 they're completely totally mutually exclusive because I mean honestly like How? we have to own the damage that we've done as a society otherwise you know we're just like no we just want everything to be equal now just like you well, know ignore that right no, and but, I, but what yeah, does equal it gets mean? dicey there too well okay yeah. so so let me tell you why they are mutually exclusive well like equal policing for example you know like as right. long as it's more likely for a black male or a black kid to get shot in the face by a cop like that needs to be solved immediately Right. Yeah. I mean, but there's, but there's, there's a lot of factors involved in that. There's, there's, um, you know, it's also true that poor people are more likely to get shot than rich people. Yeah, but not by the same amount. Well, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the specific statistics. Because there's, there's a huge overlap with the policing of the poor that is, is an important part of this, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's where, it's where a lot of white people go to hide in this argument. And I'm not going to well, let that okay. happen. That's not, but that's not actually my motivation there. Okay. I'm okay. So we both need to give each other, you know, good faith. So I know oh, yeah. that you're not, I know that you're not one of the, the people who I condemn when I use the term identity politics, nothing okay. that you've said so far necessarily even rises to the level of, of expressing the identity politics worldview. <clears throat> okay. Actually the alt-right is a really good example of the identity politics worldview because they are explicitly saying whiteness is under threat. Yeah. They're saying that they want to have, they want the United States to return to a, and stay a majority white country, right? Some of yeah. them, the more extreme ones want it to be an explicitly and exclusively white country, which it never was, right? Um, that would be a pure, as pure an expression of identity politics as you could find. Okay. Um, so, so how do I put this? Um, you know, part of the problem is that there are things are on a spectrum, right? I've noticed that when I talk about how Trump supporters are left, are the left wing of the GOP, and how Trump is left of Biden on certain issues, a lot of Democrats instinctively, because they associate their party with being left wing, which I think is funny, because I consider the Democrats to be the right wing party now, de facto. Right. But, this, well, we had yeah. the same issue when yeah. we first started talking, because that, yeah. like, I was still using them as tribal identifiers. Um, and I've been super salty with you because you've actually used left or right as tribal identifiers since those conversations, which conflated the problem. But like, so it's it's a thing that happens, right? Like, I think we need to just be, uh, uh, I would hope anyway, or ask yeah. that we be patient with that because the vast majority of all of the humans, and you do it too, use them as tribal identifiers. So well, like, I, using the classical definition is important because I think that's important too. I have, I've sort of come to your, uh, to your side of the coffee table on the fact that it's, it's important to be able to understand these things with the sort of classical definitions. Um, but yeah, the language is going to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, we, everybody should make an effort to be as clear as possible. And I'm, I'm not claiming that I'm, I'm always clear or always consistent. I mean, you know, that- <laughs> I thought you were perfect though, dude. Come on now. 
Have you, if you've ever met, have you ever met anybody who says I never misspeak, right? If somebody did that, I would just be like, okay, this person. <laughs> Except is that one time right there. Yeah, this person is a <laughs> lunatic, right? Like I would just yeah. start backing up slowly and not take my eyes off of them. If they it's just, I think it's just a, uh, we should be understanding of people using colloquialisms when we <laughs> also are using them. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The reason I like, I like academic and formal um, ways of talking about issues is because they tend to have more, more, they tend to be more coherent. They tend to have more internal consistency and they're designed. The purpose of those type, that way of thinking about language is to make it, is to make language as precise as possible and to con and make it possible to have conversations about complex issues as much as possible. Generally speaking, colloquialisms are, well, I mean, kind of by definition, they're designed for the opposite purpose. And it's not that that purpose is, is bad. It is good. You know, colloquialisms are designed for quick, efficient communication of simple ideas to other people, right? But when you're getting into a, 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 the nitty gritty of talking about the differences between the, you know, the, the different factions of the Democratic Party and the factions of the Republican Party, generalizations about all Democrats being left wing and all Republicans being right wing are not just false. They're going to make it, they're, 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 wor they're useless. They're worse than useless because they're going to make it impossible for you to have a conversation about anything that is, that is nuanced, right? right. You, you see my yeah. point? And so I think, I think there are times when colloquial language is fine and appropriate. We just have to not use it when we're trying to have a more in-depth conversation as much as possible. All right. So could you give me an example of, um, I mean, so in the context of this moment, why did you want to talk about identity politics? <laughs> it's really funny because I actually, um, it, believe it or not, it had nothing to do with the riots. Okay. I've been wanting to do an episode on this topic for a while. And I just have a long list of topics that I want to talk about. And this one was near the top of the list. Right? Yeah. And it's kind of on my yeah. mind. And in fact, when I first messaged you about it, I wasn't uh -huh. even aware of how crazy the riots had gone yet. Because I, I think you'll remember I suggested this topic as one of the topics in our last recording session, you know? And that stuff has gotten, got, gotten crazy so fast that it's hard to imagine. But there was like a window where I kind of knew something was happening, but I wasn't really paying attention to the news because I, you know, was enjoying my life instead. Um, and... And, and, and it, during that window is where I decided, oh yeah, we should talk. Now is the time to do identity politics. <laughs> and then I, and then I, and then when you responded the way you did, I was like, of course he responded that way because he thinks that I'm going to be make, make, I mean, like it's, it's as good a time as any to talk about it. Oh boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh Lordy, but did you I wanna see let, that? I, I want to, I, I want to let you ask questions and get out your own thoughts uh, before I continue. Cause I've got a lot more I want to say. Yeah, no, that, I mean, so, uh, okay, so you asked and answered, right? Like, I was asking why this particular moment made you think of that, and you're like, no, I didn't even, fuck, there's riots, what? Uh, which, <laughs> and, um, my buddy not, Greg that I do Not now, with, though. I'm aware now that there are riots. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, why is Corey so fucking pissed at me right now? I'm like, okay, so yeah, there's some riots in the streets. Um, no, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> yikes. And, but and I've been thinking about this a lot too. But Greg posted on on uh, Facebook a little while ago just about the fact that like a lot of people are saying they want to take a break from the news right now and all that kind of stuff. It's like, isn't that an amazing privilege? And like, isn't it? Because like none of this will really affect me, right? Um, and it certainly won't affect you. Like you could you could have by accident not noticed that it was even happening. Um, and you know, 
to me, and we're, you know, I think relatively thoughtful people that actually want to spend time being, you know, empathetic and trying to figure out how to, to, to heal these things in, in our society. And it just like the number of people that weren't speaking to this in any way, shape or form that noticed, you know, some looting, didn't notice that it was white people doing it and started posting about it on Facebook. But those were exactly the same people that ignored it up until that point. Um, and we're obviously triggered to do it by Fox news or whatever, you know, thing was pouring dog shit into their ears. And they were the same people that were getting down on Colin Kaepernick for having the audacity to fucking kneel to protest police violence against black people in America. Right. It just, it's deeply frustrating. So like, I, I guess when, yeah, I mean, if, you know, they, if they want to, if they want to vilify people for peaceful protest, then they don't get to turn around and get mad that people are protesting. Right. Like, shit, like it because you didn't listen is why this is happening and not not because you didn't listen yesterday it's because you haven't been listening for 30 years or longer right like it's not like this is a new problem i had like a really really good friend of mine who i you know really wanted to kick in the balls 48 hours ago um it was basically you know and we've talked i've talked about him before my buddy mirrors that you know it's a big company in pasco county um it was trying to say that the problem doesn't even exist. He doesn't believe the numbers that, you know, uh, black people are, are uh, uh, you know, put under more duress than white people. He's fucking like deeply ignorant. This is the same guy. And this is the culture that he comes from, right? His dad, he never should have told me this. His, his, his dad married his mom who came from the North. And, uh, uh, and he's just like, his dad's like a Southern, you know, fucking Southern guy. You'll see in a minute why. He thought it would be really funny to uh, show up and, and, and hand baby mirrors, tra baby Travis mirrors, uh, to his northern grandparents wrapped in a Confederate flag, which tells you about all you wanted to. And also, like, I absolutely love this guy. We, you know, we've had 18 million really, really good conversations, but he is deeply culturally blind to this in a way that is just absolutely shocking. If um, you're, if you're, um, sense of identity is is tied up in a in a, a symbol of treason you do not get to pretend to be a patriot well i know he like he knows how terrible that is now the confederate flag thing yeah i'm not um, talking about and, him and, in particular, and only admitted that to me yeah. drunk I mean, there's not a, he it's not now. yeah it's not a coincidence that neo-nazis and the kkk and not that i'm saying they're totally equivalent but also people who proudly fly the confederate flag are all part of this alt-right movement um, yeah, I mean, that, that it's Venn also diagram. Important to point out, it's also important to point out almost to a person, I could, I could bet money on it, that the vast majority, something close to 100% of those people are the people who were Democrats until the Southern strategy during the Civil Rights Movement. Yep. Right? Um, 100%. And so, and so when they talk about how, you know, Republicans are the party of Lincoln and Democrats were, were, the, were the racist party, they're talking about themselves. Yep. Right. Yeah, and, and, it's sad and, that they don't you know see, that. Like, you can see this happening right now. I, I I saw on Twitter. I saw on Twitter somebody was trying. To, like I, I was making the point that you know national socialism is further to the left of the political spectrum than than classic liberalism, and people were just saying like, how could you possibly say? That the Nazis were left wing. I'm like, dude, it's a spectrum. There are degrees. I'm not saying that the Nazis well, they, were as far left as Stalin. I'm saying they're left of Joe Biden, and they because they were. That's just a historical fact, and they lose their shit. I, and they were, that's, 
I'm not sure that's true. Like, that's how it started. But by the time the Nazis were actually in power, it was just a fascist freaking oligarchy. That's all it was. Like, well, you can't, yeah, and it got, like, it got very right-wing very, very fast. Well, it depends on what you mean by, by right, right? So once again, I mean... Like, the, econ- the, the, economically the, and, you know, as, as a governing structure. If you believe that the right wing is pro-free trade capitalism and individualism over collectivism and small decentralized government over a, a big authoritarian government, that doesn't seem to describe the Nazis to me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> you see what like, I'm hey, saying? With those, yeah, with those caveats. That's not, yeah. that's not how uh, but, uh, everyone sees being well, on the right. You know, and actually I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, there's a reason why people are so confused about left and right. And it's because, um, frankly, my side has, and I was never one, somebody who, who supported this strategy. I always thought it was a bad idea. And it's, it, this, it's actually caused our society to come apart at the seams as a consequence of it. So it was a truly terrible idea and a deeply anti-conservative idea because anything that results in chaos is the opposite of conservative. Conservative means you want to preserve things, not tear things down, right? Um, but my side, recognizing that the base of both parties are economically left-wing, consciously used cultural wedge issues to divide the economic left against one another, right? So that we could have two parties for basically my entire lifetime that were both economically relatively right-wing. Now I have to clarify, both parties were social liberal. Neither party was purely classically liberal. A purely classically liberal party would have no chance, which is which would be um, which would be the real far right, would have no chance of winning any election in any modern democracy today because it's just not a popular position. I want to completely remove your social security, and I want to completely take away your Medicare. Right now, I know for a fact but that's that, like that the. The Republicans are all explicitly for that. If you look at what they do, they just never say it. But they don't really, because like there's oh, a difference on. between. Paul Ryan says exactly yeah, that. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is actually on the right, although he has he has is now like bent over for Donald Trump, who is to his significantly to his left. So he's betrayed the right, but his actual ideology is right wing. But like I said, like Republicans might oppose increasing social security they might every now and then cut it a little bit but not really if they know that their own base loves it seriously Corey, like nobody would get elected running on i'm going to completely end social security it's not possible because because the an actual purely right-wing position is untenable right in this political environment where most people love handouts from the government as long as they're coming to them and not to people they don't like right no i i i get well and that's they've they've managed to tie like a a a really amazing sort of gordian knot around um convincing white people well i mean how many times did we see get your goddamn government hands off my medicare like exactly what (laughs) right and of course it's it's it you could you know do a, a cursory dig into these people's views and what you're going to find is 
They're absolutely for voting for the people that are saying they're, they're going to cut uh, welfare and Social Security, but they're under the presumption that it's not going to happen to them. That's part of it. Um, and also, it won't happen to them. It won't happen to anybody because it's just not going to happen. It's just not popular. Dude, do you not know how much they've cut both of those things? Like that, like, they, like for real, Paul Ryan cut. passed a bill that cut Social Security and Medicare, right? But did, so it, like, did, during, it, but did it actually, but did it actually yes, go into law? Yes, yes. When they passed when they passed Obamacare, you know how many, how many places were supposed to expand uh, 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 Medicare and uh, um, like different healthcare stuff, and they just flat out didn't do it, right? Like that, like it, this is absolutely a thing that Republicans in power are doing right now. They are rat fucking their own base, and they're too stupid to realize it. Man, I I just don't think. I mean, there, there's limits on how much they can get away with. Yes, that's the idea. That's kind of my point, right? My point was that. Um, Part of the reason people dislike pe people dislike the establishment so much is because the establishment is controlled by elites of society, right? By definition, if right. if if our movement, I mean, like Corey, if you if you and I got elected to Congress tomorrow, we would be part of the establishment, and we would yeah. still be we'd still be advocating for moving forward policies, right? We yep. would also be we're already fairly elite, right? I certainly consider myself to be part of the elite. I think you are. You are. I am for sure not. Well, you're much closer to it that you're much closer to elite status than a lot of Americans. Okay. And, As a and Canadian. if we were in Congress, <laughs> that would be even more true, right? Yeah, 100%. So like by definition, the people who have power are the elites, right? And so, yeah. um, so part of, part of the reason that the bases of both parties hate the establishment is because the bases of the both parties of both parties are economically left wing because the establishment for a long time has been consciously dividing the left using cultural issues right and then this is me admitting that my side did it right okay yeah. and i once again i never supported that strategy right um but it, it, the, but it's because they know that if they were just to honestly run on we're going to completely, we're going to, you know what I mean? If they, if they're, if they're messaging, right. I see what you're saying. messaging was yeah. vote for me so that I can give tax cuts to rich people and cut your social security, nobody right. would vote for them. Well, I mean, some right. people would, I would, but very few people would, right? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You got to throw in the, like, they're, <laughs> they're baby killers who want brown people to take all your jobs. And that's the real thing that's motivating them, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, agree, that, because there's, and, and, um, and, and it's also important to note that, that, that idea is also illiberal, right? So left-wing economics, to the degree that it is that it moves away from free trade, to the degree that it moves away from free trade, um, free trade capitalism and individualism, it's moving to the left. Similarly, okay. people who want to take away your individual rights to smoke weed or own a gun or abort—that's all illiberal. One way that I could describe it is like, imagine if you, uh, there's horseshoe theory. So imagine if you have, um, you have the left right spectrum and you, and you know, it, you like to think of the Nazis as right wing. You're certainly right to think of them as to the right of communism, right? Communism is authoritarian. Um, in the words of Christopher Hitchens, uh, who was himself uh, an enthusiastic Marxist in his youth, um, later realized that communism was an absolute disaster, right? He said, quote, communism is itself a form of fascism, fascism with the human face. And what he meant by that was anytime you move away from the liberal values that center individual liberty and freedom, you're moving toward fascism. 
So if you if you take if you take the horseshoe, and you've got I guess Nazis um um on the quote bottom right, and you've got Stalinists on the bottom left. If you take that horseshoe and you turn it sideways so that the liberal part of it is on the right, and both of the ends of the horseshoe with the two different two different kinds of fascism are on the left, that would be closer to an accurate understanding of the political landscape. Because by definition, cool. liberalism is right wing. And it's considered All right. everywhere except in America. And the only reason, and even in America, it's considered right even by people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Because, yeah, I, I definitely realize that that, you know, <laughs> when, when you, uh, uh, when that, this kind of conversation get, just w- would totally break down in Canada uh, or even England. Um, was, I, I, think I mean, in England, people would just be like, oh, aren't you funny? This cute little American who thinks he's profound because he's figured out something obvious. <laughs> That's the right. that's the reaction that I would get. <laughs> but I guess that the the, the I, I I've been trying to train myself to to like cool now you know people already you know people who are not you uh, use the term left to describe me as a communist constantly right like this is like the the shorthand of dummies so like I my that my reaction is still sort of bent to that but I I've been training mm-hmm. myself to say okay like obviously you know, you are not doing that in any way, shape or form. Like what's the useful takeaway from this, right? Like for, yeah. for people that are, are listening to this, like how can we sort of then wade into this um, and create some useful dialogue around it? And I think the, the cornerstone that kind of reaches out to me a little bit is that it is important to understand how the, the political classes, uh, again, you know, Republicans in the, the, the 50s and even a little bit earlier, um, used... and the Democrats, Democratic establishment was also complicit in this. Well, and, and because, not, because they not were... really, because we basically started creating a coalition of what was left and what was right, like as right as in correct and just. Um, so, you know, to, to okay, whatever... I definitely don't agree with that characterization. Well, well I mean, that, that's, that's <laughs> entirely true. So, I mean, we can, we can argue about that, but I mean, that's like, suddenly there's a party that's like, yeah, no, we think black people should be represented in government. What right. a fucking horrendous no, no, idea. Obviously, on the issue of race, obviously, I agree. I think that the Republican Party is the racist party now. That is undeniable, right? But I, I think that the Democrats have their own uncomfortable bedfellows, and I would say, like, actual hardcore socialists and communists would be among those, right? But yeah. Um, I still, well, no, but the difference, all two of them. Well, I was about to say, like, however many there are, the difference is that the Democratic Party is much better at, frankly, silencing and sidelining those radicals. Um, And they're so effective at it that they help to elect Trump by refusing to vote for a Democrat who is insufficiently hostile to capitalism. It's how Trump got elected last time. And if he gets elected again, it's going to be the same thing. And it's especially relevant when you recognize that his own voters are also hostile to capitalism, whether they realize it or not. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big old mess. Well, so now how does this all relate to identity politics? Um, okay, well, well, actually, first, you, I want to ask you a question about like, what's a practical takeaway? The first practical takeaway is to notice that you should be afraid of being on the ends of the horseshoe, right? You don't want to go all the way down, you know, tank all the way down the road to Tanky Town, right? You don't want to Tanky Town? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I was trying to think of an equally cutesy name for um, for the Nazis. Um, but in any case, <laughs> um, I mean, they're both tankies, actually, if you think about it. They both love tanks. 
Um, yeah. All right. So moving past that, um, you don't want to go all the way down that road, right? But there's plenty of room on the spectrum to move left, but still preserves the good things about liberal values to the degree that we need to preserve them, right? Um, and, and, and so that's, that's the thing. Like, yes, um, and frankly, both parties, I mean, on the one hand, I keep saying both parties are right wing, but that's like in the context of, glo of, of a global, of a, of a global um, political environment where American parties have held on to liberal values more effectively than other countries have. Um, but a lot of other countries have, have held on to them um, by, in part, by compromising with the left, right? And so that's how you got your social safety net. The real reason for having welfare from the perspective of a liberal is so that people won't riot. It's so that people won't elect a demagogue. It's so that we won't go down the totalitarian road. It's, yeah. it, right? It's an, yeah. it's an appeasement policy, right? I mean, and even part, Yang, if you actually read into what Yang is saying, Yang is literally saying, if we don't do this, we're going to have riots in the streets. And quite frankly, right now, mm -hmm. like, yes, there, you know, the, it got sparked off with a really justifiable, brutal act. But does anyone really think this, uh, uh, this uprising, you know, wouldn't be a whole lot more subdued if everyone was getting $1,000 a month? Yeah, it would be a lot more subdued if Barack Obama were president and then weren't getting a thousand dollars a month, right? Yeah, so once it again, would still way... be here though. And uh, like, no. I, I do want to say, like, I, I would much rather have Hillary Clinton as, as president right now, but this would still be going on, right? Because like, Democrats weren't solving uh, for police violence before this. Like, Obama wasn't either, right? So they, like, it really this is a thing that's been going on for a while now. Would she be a hundred times better than Donald fucking Trump, who in a call with governors is literally calling for violence against protesters, like active violence against protesters from uh, from the police? Yes, she would be much, much better. Which is only but going this would to still make be it happening. worse. Which is oh, only 100%. going to make it worse. Absolutely. Like, if people are rioting over one injustice, how, how hard do you think they're going to riot over 10,000 injustices? So, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And so here's the thing, once again... Donald Trump is not conservative. He is literally the opposite of conservative, which is not progressive, okay? He is radical, 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 radical. He is as hostile to the preservation of our civilization as any president um, that we've ever had. He's just awful. Um, and this is a perfect example of that because when, when Obama had riots on his hands, he responded in a conservative manner. He went on television in a sober presidential tone right and he said i hear your pain but this isn't going to solve the problem like you've been heard right exactly stop committing what, crimes, what biden has been actively doing right, right. stop committing mm -hmm. crimes because like message received right trump yep. is never going to say that he's no. never going he to say literally that. said we're going to release vicious dogs he is going to make the problem worse and and the only people who should be happy about that are the accelerationists who want society to fall apart. That's their yep. goal. And that definitely includes neo-Nazis, also includes hardcore communists, not, not the technocratic, you know, um, libertarian sort of communists that our friend Chet is, but like authoritarian tanky communists want that, right? So this is a, this is a real mess. And it's a mess that, it, you know, the, when you said Obama... Um, wasn't doing enough or much at all to deal with the problem of police brutality. 
there's some truth to that, but it's not because he wasn't trying, right? There, that's, like, that's true. Right? I mean, we have a difficult system. The president is not king, nor should we want him to be. Right. And so we need to stop judging them as if they were kings. I, I do, I do agree. Based I like, on what they can do and what they right. do do. That they I, believe, do. I believe that they could have been more effective. But I definitely, you know, if we were sitting down with Obama, he would it's be easy to absolutely, say that, right? <laughs> that's exactly it. Like, I've never been president. He was only doing 9 million other things all at once. Oh, and reading his daily briefings every day, which made his hair go gray, something Trump can't do. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that's, that's definitely the real thing. secret to his long life. Cause he's, he's literally explicitly said that he thinks exercise kills people. <laughs> what Trump said that? Yes, he did. Of course he, he believes did. that exercise is bad for you. Um, but the, the real, the real explanation Oy. for his long life and obviously his degree of health is exaggerated for sure. Like he definitely had a doctor lie for him. We know for a fact. Heck yeah. He had him I lie could. about his weight and height because otherwise the truth makes him literally obese, right? And he didn't want to be not literally him. morbidly. Well, he may not be morbidly obese. No, he, he, he absolutely is morbidly obese. He may be. Because that's actually lighter to, than you would think. But yeah. He makes a de- meets the definition of obese for sure. And so he had to lie about that. Okay. But moving on, like the real explanation to the degree of health that he has is that he has a very low stress life. And the reason he has a low stress life is because he does, he always uses the path of least resistance mentally. Mental stress ages people a lot. And Trump has nothing going on up there. <laughs> okay. Um, so on the topic of identity politics, let's... Um, all right. So, so the, 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 you said you didn't think that those people, the radicals that I'm talking about, are all that. There are all that many of them. I agree that they're probably a relative minority, but they have outsized influence, especially, especially in populist um, politics within okay. the Democratic Party, which is why if you go to any sufficiently left-leaning, I'm not talking about the pro-establishment, sober, frankly, center-right Democratic conferences. I'm talking about the populist, hardcore, the places where socialism is unironically celebrated, right? Okay. These people, do, um, have, like in those environments, they have all the power. They are in charge. They have they have control. And if you go to one of them as a white man, you are going to feel like a second class citizen. And it's something they consciously do. I, I think the difference between you and me is I would be all right with that. Yeah, lots of white people are all right with it. I definitely like, am not. No, I know, but like you know, like I think it's I think it's on us to have a little bit of humility. Yeah, but that's not humility. Like, there's it, I mean, no, it literally is. I disagree. With right? That. Like, it's, we've it's, been maintaining a chokehold on power for checks watch two thousand years. Right? No, no, no. Like, I'm not saying that the people in power all happen to be black. That's not my point. Right? Once again, that's not what I mean. I'm okay. saying the people in power, regardless of their race, espouse the radical identity politics, which you and I both agreed is bad. Right? They are not talking about equality. They're talking about white people need to be shut out of power and silenced. I feel like you've talked to like five people that will never have any, like they don't have any people, voice in the democratic party. None, not at all. Like which Congress person uh, has ever been photographed near one of these people? Corey, I agree Seriously. with you. I, well, right? like I mean, that, like, that's why like 
I mean, you actually, bring it up, like, and obviously it's an well, experience you've had, right? Uh, and I, okay, I don't so want to take that away from you. Well, one of them is create. It's called a conference called Creating Change. Okay. Um, and there are absolutely are. I mean, um, Elizabeth Warren was there. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that Warren espouses this ideology necessarily, right? Just well, no, of course she doesn't there, at all. Right. I, but I'm saying she was there and this okay. is a conference that is run by exactly those sorts of people. Um, Ilhan Omar was there. Rashida Tlaib was there. I mean, like, um, you'd be surprised how many, I mean, even, um, Kamala Harris went and she's okay. like, she's, I mean, and, 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 and people we're, like we're her have tend to, to get booed. <laughs> we're going to have to go to one of these things. Cause I see, oh, like, absolutely. I, I, like, this is a, this might be a problem of imagination as far as, as far as, you know, cause like, yeah, anyway. Um, so no, no, my, <laughs> we have, we have about 10 minutes. Okay. Let's get to the, let's get to the meat. Um, okay. So, um, in academia, um, there was a uh, um, an intellectual feminist um, um, who who made an explicitly neo-Marxist argument in a paper called um, "White Privilege." Her name is Peggy McIntosh, and this is before it, the 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 concept made it into mainstream. Um, obviously, um, these these sorts of ideas have been bouncing around in academia for quite some time. And it's explicitly, it's explicitly neo-Marxist because Marxism ec ec economically is the application of the idea that, that the, the free exchange of goods and services is not mutually beneficial, but it's a zero-sum exchange where there's always an oppressor and an oppressed. And you see everything through that lens. She applied and said, anytime that there's a cultural exchange, there is an oppressor and oppressed. Cultural exchange is not mutually beneficial. It's a zero-sum exchange, and there's an oppressor and oppressed. And so when she used the word privilege, she was not using it in the way that I used it when I called myself privilege. I'm privileged because I have an education, um, and to whatever degree that I, 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 I had an advantage in life, due to the fact that I am white in this environment, I fully acknowledge that and call that privilege. But that's not what she's getting at. She's talking about the active redistribution of cultural capital based on a person's race. So the idea is that if you are white, you are supposed to take your own cultural capital away from yourself and give it to a black person. And you see that you see them, um, you see radicals calling for this in the context of economics explicitly. I've had people who I know tell me that all white people should give away all of their belongings to black people. They should give away all their money. You should only keep what you need to basically barely survive and everything else you should give to black people. And if you don't do that, you're a bad person. Okay. So this is the difference between equality and equity. And, 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 um, and then on the, on the alt-right, you have people making similar arguments. The idea being that if black people get, get, get an advantage in life, that's bad for white people. We need to get past this zero-sum way of thinking about things. We need to return to an idea of mutually beneficial exchange. Just because a white person and a black person inter like exchange culture together doesn't mean that they're appropriating the black person's culture or that they need to check their white privilege. They can just be two people having a mutually beneficial exchange. It's okay to learn from people who are different from you. It's okay to be a black person who likes country and a white person who likes rap. We need to get past all of this bullshit. Yeah, I, I guess, like, I sort of, 
I've never identified with any of that. Again, this, 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 I could be operating from the bias that I was like, well, obviously no sane person is thinking that way. And I like, again, if I, and I have now seen people sort of uh, that I would kind of consider to be, you know, on the left as, as colloquially described, this kind of go down that road. Um, and they don't get to hang out with me because <laughs> yeah, they're dumb. Yeah. I know um, that you agree with me. I'm not and, trying but, to persuade and, you. No, no, and, and so there, there's yeah. a, and, and a really fun example of that is this kid that, that came on uh, coffee with us in, in Pasco County a bunch of times. And, you know, he was like super, super young, like 21, 22 or whatever. And like, like literally trying to sell socialism and communism to, to Greg and I were like, okay, buddy, like dive down a little bit there. And, but like clearly, you know, having fed on that, that anger and, and, and met some of these people or whatever, right? Um, I think like, cause it kind of had that, the, it's the only example of the, the kind of flavor that you're, you're putting off as being out there. Yeah. Um, and he, he hung out with us um, and he is now uh, hanging out with all the old fogies in the democratic party in Pasco County and is doing voter outreach for the democratic party explicitly. Right. And is, is doing the work because mm -hmm. he hung out with people that actually have been around for more than five seconds. And, you know, because like those ideas don't survive, uh, you know, around around people that actually want well, to to do I, to do good to work. To the degree that he still holds them, I hope he doesn't get too. No, he doesn't. Power. Like that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like it. Like obviously, he is for you know fixing the system so that it, it is more equitable, right? Because yeah. I think they're, they're, I don't think we could just throw that away, right? Society's been bent for so long, and being um, you know economically or otherwise uh, benefiting fewer and fewer people for so long that there there needs to be some thought given to how to heal that well uh, reason, not just not just like oh everyone's equal and everything's fine now right like i like yeah and again i don't know what the right answer is there but i'm not just going to throw that out as, as, a, as a concept but like um, i would but obviously I like it could to go way too far really really quality, quickly equality as and and it doesn't necessarily mean more equitable right if the, right. if 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 your way of bringing about artificial equity is to for example, have some people, <laughs> these are exactly the sorts of people that I'm talking about, have proposed that if you're a black American, then you should get more UBI than if you're a white American. That sort of and, thing, and, right? uh, Well, here's the thing, like, like going to the extreme that all white people should like just sell all their stuff and give it to black people, obviously that's silly. But um, after 400 years and having been the beneficiaries uh, generationally of fucking slavery, like one percent. Not all white people were. Not all white people were. That's that's fine, right? But like, the, as a collective societal thing that fact, we do, most didn't. Most didn't benefit. As a collective societal thing that we do as a country, it is not unreasonable to suggest that we think about a way to repair that. And maybe it doesn't look like you know maybe uh, right, uh, you know black people get uh, you know eleven hundred dollars or whatever. And again, like I, I am part of the 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 side that says that you know if we solve poverty, we might fix this anyway because you know it's 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 been well, and that's the problem. It's like, do you want to perpetuate endless? Like, do you want to solve one like a history of racism with a, a new contemporary kind of racism? And it wouldn't be reverse racism; it would just be racism. Um, okay, I know you said you had limited time, so I wanted to get out my point about the alt-right, right? So I keep sure. making the point that the alt-right has, they, shares the, they share this neo-Marxist zero-sum view of cultural exchange, just like they share the literally Marxist zero-sum view of economic exchange. Um, and this is, what, this is what Yang is talking about when he says we need to get away from the, that, that zero-sum way of thinking. Right. Um, 
so an example of this in the, in, in the cultural environment, there's a, a French author and social critic named uh, Michel Hollebeck, who um, wrote a series of essays and books making the case that um, what basically ended up becoming the so-called incel movement, involuntarily celibate, have you heard of that, Glory? Yes, I called the Proud Boys incels this morning. I am they very totally aware. are. That's hundred exactly percent. And so his argument, once again, was actually coming from an explicitly neo-Marxist frame. And the idea was that back when government, through big government authoritarianism, told people that you could only like you you could only have a relationship between one man and one woman, right? As a mm. matter of statistical fact, men could expect to find a partner. Just because, you know, like you, you, you weren't allowed to kind of hoard the ladies as a guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so his argument, it was oh. an it's an explicitly neo-Marxist critique of sexual and, so and romantic freedom is what it amounts okay. to. He even talks about like the commodification of bodies and how there's a sexual marketplace. And he calls, he calls ugly people the sexual proletariat. <laughs> And every single insult, whether they've read this French guy or not, I doubt most of them have, they have read somebody who was, uh, you know, an intellectual descendant of that guy. And it really does go pure, straight back to, um, to a, a neo-Marxist critique of liberty. It's bonkers stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I think, so again, like the other reason why I'm, because I think, I think this is going to be fodder for a lot of conversation in the future. I think uh, is my my uh, phone is going to die because in the pandemic I do not get my computers. My wife is working from home, and I actually love that because she is much safer here. So, yeah. um, but I think I think it's 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 useful because yeah, I mean the incel movement is fucking garbage. Like I I do agree that you know any any time that somebody wants to work to to like dramatically. Ha like the one thing you said, like where where you know all uh, culture, there's there's going to be an oppressor or a, and an oppressor, right? So the only way to heal the situation is to let black people be the oppressors. Like just exactly. fucking shut up. We don't have to do that. That's not that's not part of this equation. It never was, never has been, and it really does come down to the fact that you know the the zero sum game always is. I shouldn't say always because I'm sure I can find an example. Almost always will be proven to be false because we can actually figure out ways to set up rules of the game of our society where we increase the value exponentially for everybody. That's right? what democracy now, and capitalism is all about. That's, that's the whole that, point that's, of it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an evolutionary process that, that if regulated properly can produce that result. I'm still in the camp that there are some historical and societal damages that re require some attention. Um, and, and again, with the process of creating, creating uh, uh, um, equality. Uh, but again, like that, that is not exclusive necessarily to me to equity. But I think you can go off the rails very quickly. Well, um, I mean, anyway, my, my how, phone how, is going to die, you, so I'll let you look at the last one. How would you bring about like artificial equity if not by violating the principle of treating people equally? So, so this is the thing that, that I'm, I'm absolutely saying that that, that, uh, if people have been treated unequally for generations, it is not unreasonable to want to try and balance that out, right? But we have the, been the way failing, of balancing it out is to now treat different people unequally. But that's that because this isn't a zero sum game. That isn't that isn't you know entire. That's not required. Your life doesn't change at all, right? Necessarily, and and we refocus our collective efforts to 
to solve or heal those problems. Right? Like, well, that, it, 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 like you said, we definitely have uh, more to talk about about this, um, but I feel like we made progress on it. Yes. All right. And do you want to say it this time, Corey? Sure. Moving forward is a mother trucking gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. Joe Biden is staying away from very many long-form interviews and stuff because once you are the de facto nominee and the favor to win the general, every time you talk is just a chance to screw up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. You know what I mean? I think he's kind yeah. of like planning to be quietly qualified and not crazy. Oh, no, that's a new with- slogan for Joe Biden, quietly qualified and not crazy. What you do when your opponent is busy murdering himself is let them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we already have a mad mouth, mad motor, mad motor mouth president right now, and it ain't yep. working out so great. I would like exactly. somebody with a little dignity again, please. Okay. Yeah, just like a, just <laughs> some class, it's a little grace. God damn it. <laughs>